The most difficult thing is the decision to act. The rest is merely tenacity. Amelia Earhart. You're listening to Podnuts Pro, your podcast for IT business support. Tips to help you run your business better, smarter, and faster. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Podnuts Pro. I am your host, Marvin B., coming at you live from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where the weather is fair and 82 degrees. It was a fantastic day. Looking forward to a fantastic weekend down here in Florida. I have what I believe is going to be a pretty good show tonight. I'm chilling with two of my boys tonight, Paco LeBron and John Dubinsky. We are going to be chatting about the recent TechCon Unplugged that was up in Chicago. And we're going to have a little discussion about what it's like to be a solo tech in the industry. And, of course, we have our popular Florida Man series. I think John is going to like the story we have tonight. That is going to be our talking points for this evening. Let me first let you know that if you are joining us for the first time, whether by video or audio, this is Podnuts Pro. It is your podcast for IT business support. Our goal is to help you run your business better, smarter, and faster. We share products. We share stories and tips all in an effort to do that, and we will do that this evening. Podnuts Pro is brought to you by NetAlly, our good friends with the handheld testers that help us do a much better and faster job of diagnosing and troubleshooting networks. We'll talk a little bit more about them also. We are also sponsored on the live stream by Computers Done Right, our good friend John, uh, is the person there to talk to. We appreciate that. Anything that you need to know about Podnuts Pro, you can find in the show notes. If you're doing this in a podcatcher, just go to the show page. We'll have all the show notes there. You can head over to podnutspro.com. That is the website where you can find the back catalog of episodes. You can find other pages where if we do blogs, if we do shout outs, conference announcements, all that good stuff there podnutspro.com. All right, that's it. Let us get on to the show and let me bring our gentlemen to the stage. They uh, have been hamming it up in the green room there. Paco, John, how are we doing? I'll let John Go start. ahead, Paco. <laughs> better than good, better than most. Better than I deserve. But yeah, I got you five by five, 125 miles away from your location. The weather is exactly the same, and you are right. Today was beautiful. All right. Am I cleared for takeoff on Saturday to uh, swing over to the west side? Absolutely. All right. If the weather holds up, I will be over somewhere in either the Naples, Fort Myers, or Bonita Springs area. The wife is telling me that we are going, our son-in-law, or my stepson, her son, and his wife are down for 10 days and uh nice we'll have to get them over to the west side to see the white sand and the sunset outstanding you let me know where i'll meet you oh and i have those things to present to you as well 
And I've got some stuff for you, too, as well. For those that are not able to watch the video, I have some oversee boxes, which I know the gentleman over at Prodigy Tech used. I no longer use them, so we are going to repurpose them, and hopefully you guys will get some good use out of them. We certainly will. That is uh, for sure. And we appreciate it. All right. Well, before we get into tonight's big discussions, how are things, you know, let's, you know, we'll talk about TechCon later, but how's business in general going for you? Business is great. I think that we are in a very great position right now. We have a couple clients that are expanding. We have a couple clients that we've closed and we've gotten a lot of referral business from our bigger MSP partner. So that has gotten us very busy. Actually, coincidentally, this morning, we were actually interviewing for another uh, level one help desk guy. So, nice. um, yeah, so we're definitely uh, trucking along. John kind of keeping the uh, ship tight with all of our kind of security holes and documentation. It's all the stuff that I wish I had time for. He has been gracious enough to help me out for the last several months. So Paco's being a little bit modest. Paco's made some really good business decisions lately, called some clients to task, converted them to MSP clients full time, uh, you know, onboarded them to meet uh, the standards he's created. So, I mean, it's been pretty awesome to see the growth and actually the uh, fabulous reception from clients, knowing that it's something they have to do in the way that Paco's presented it. And all I do is put tickets in that piss, uh, piss Paco off that this needs to be done and that <laughs> needs to be done and we need to do this. So that's really my job. Keep, uh, pe- keep Paco uh, <laughs> upset at me <laughs> and I know things are going well. <laughs> well, let me ask you guys this. Has it been easier with all of the ransomware attacks and the security concerns that have come up, the work from home environment that we are in, has it been easier to go to clients and say, Hey, look, you guys really need to step it up. Has that helped? You know, I would say so. I think that it's a combination of that blaming our insurance provider because our rates did go triple than what they were last year. Um, and then all the tools that we put in place. I think, you know, 4th of July was a very eye-opening moment for everyone. And I'm referring to the Kaseya attack um, that affected all those MSPs and kind of downplayed into their um, their clientele. So I think that was one of those where we just reevaluated kind of everything we did. Um, we actually got rid of a couple vendors. We added a couple new vendors. We actually upgraded some of the plans with some of those vendors. Um, and really just updating our communications, like our agreements changed, you know, a lot of the quote unquote prevention words that have been taken out in place of mitigation and really just educating our clients now that the hurricanes are coming, you know, we need to be better at helping you get back up and running versus preventing you getting hacked because it will happen. And I think that was a quote that came from Huntress specifically as well, that, you know, it's going to happen. So we kind of had to make that mind shift as well, which has helped our clients to understand. Yep. John, anything? Yeah, to add? And, uh, and if I can, yeah, if I can extrapolate on that a little bit, you know, Paco and I talk a lot and he talks to our techs and, you know, essentially to Rosa, the office manager here at Prodigy Techs, you know, and what I want to say uh, Paco has been doing is not planning, but more, I, I would call it betting. He's been making smart bets 
you know, you know that uh, he knows he's going to get a return on um, and the way that he wants to run parity checks, you know, standardization, getting customers to buy into the platform that we're on and that we're selling, uh, really articulating and moving the business to meet uh, NIST practices or, or, you know, standardization and security so that, uh, you know, we can support that out of the box for all the clients with a similar situation, which, you know, to reduce ticket calls and all that sort of stuff. So Paco's really made some smart uh, bets, you know, and I want to, I want to move away that, you know, that, uh, you know, it's, not a planning thing. It's a betting thing. He's making smart moves to get payback. You know, he's making safe bets, not just planning to say, Hey, we'll get here at some point. He's actually putting things on the line to make improvements and really pushing prodigy text forward, which, you know, from the old man point of view, is really fun to watch. So have you guys used this approach at all? And I'll tell you what I've done recently that has helped. I've just been telling people that, look, I've got several things that have happened in the last year that are forcing me to standardize everything across the board for all my customers. And that is the ransomware attacks, that is the insurance, and that is the compliance, where I now have to be compliant for my HIPAA clients and for a lot of the attorneys that are doing. It's not exactly FINRA, but they're all saying that you have to basically prove that you're protecting the network and the data. And if I ever get audited, I need to show that I'm doing this for all my customers. So while I'm not trying to fire any customers, I am trying to say, will you step up what you're doing with us and allow us to do the same thing for you that we're doing for those other customers? It's only going to make your network better. And I had one customer specifically say, yep, we're going to do it. And they went from basically a zero monthly commitment to $730. I mean, it's it's not a ton by MSP standards, but it's you know, more than what they were doing before. Better than zero. Well, and I think that also, you know, the context is big, right? I think the fact that they jumped literally 730% from zero, right? And and understanding that, um, you know, we had the same situation today. We have a four-person law office. They said, we're going to go all in on our full plan. And that was 600 bucks. We charged $150 a user on an all-in plan. So, you know, that, again, like you said, the confidence on being able to understand that this is all coming. But I think you made a good point where, you know, you have to also be vulnerable with them as well. Like, look, this is a liability for us, too. And we just cannot afford that liability. And we've had to have we did have to fire some clients due, due to it. Um, now, when I say fire, we gave them a referral partner of ours that we sent them over to. We didn't just drop them cold turkey. And some were concerned. You know, some were like, you know, are we going to get the same service? And I kind of replied back and said, well, you can still get the same service. Unfortunately, it's not what it was 18 months ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, um, things like that. And I, you know, I, I just heard a podcast the other day where there was somebody that had a lot of unexpected or unrealistic expectation where it was a partner that said, we're paying you $500 for the year for IT. What are you going to do for us? And they said two hours. So let me know how you want to spread that out for 12 months. (laughs) Um, So I think that, you know, again, understanding that, you know, that it is a human transaction, although it is a transaction does play a long way, especially with your existing customers. I think, you know, and John had to reeducate me this again, that, you know, Really, it's your existing customers that are going to trust you. 
So that's where you can really get most of the majority of your upselling and your monetary goals are going to come from them as well. And it, it proved true over the last couple of months versus concentrating on new clients, trying to onboard them and create more work for yourself when you really just need to tighten up and kind of put some other things in place that could also prove profitable for you as well. Yeah. So I'm going to break format here. Uh, this is usually where we would do the news segment and we would continue on with the show. But there is a question in the chat that I think uh, rather than ignore it and try to get to it later, I want to go ahead and get to it now. Uh, Pro tech guy would love to hear what you guys are doing for a stack with the new changes. So let me first ask you guys, did you make any major changes in the last what six months to a year um, that has helped you in, in, you know, doing all of these, these additions? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we and John can probably elaborate a little bit more on this, but we actually did it as as uh, about four months ago in June, uh, or no, I, I lie, three months ago in July. We um, again, I think just that pucker moment happened a lot more than what we expected after Fourth of July, and we were just trying to figure out, okay, NIST is great, you know, are we really abiding by that framework? And then we decided, all right, great. Now let's figure out what CIS 20 was at the time. Now it's 18, but we literally, I flew down to, um, to Fort Myers. Sterile. I was going to say, I was trying to figure out. The, <laughs> um, I, wasn't trying, I wasn't trying to give away where you exactly are, but basically, you know, flew down to John um, and we spent the whole weekend to really go through all of the protocols and figure out what of our stack, what tool would fit. We had, we called some friends that were at these specific vendors to do some demos and chat with us on a Friday evening. Um, And that's kind of where we made those changes. And we dumped, like I said, I think we dumped one, two, three, four vendors. We brought on two new vendors. We brought on a new protocol where now we're taking on the domains of our clients where before we kind of just left that to the web developer and then we just wanted access Um, and really just figuring out how to make sure we have that visibility because if we can't report on it, you know, we have to prove that we're doing it. And that was the big piece that we had to make sure we could prove. All right. So without, I mean, if you don't want to get specific, that's fine, but obviously your RMM PSA Okay, um, is that specific? But in so, terms oh, of absolutely, uh, I'm assuming that there was um, some reporting that uh, was added, some ransomware, cybersecurity stuff that was added. What did you guys add? Well, you know, I, I'll pick up the ball there. I mean, the tools aren't support. Um, uh, the names of the companies we used aren't so important, but you know, I mean, I, we'd be happy to list all those. I mean, that could be a whole nother show, really. But you know, some of the things we tightened down is now we're 100% VPN for all of our. You know, we started with ourselves or, you know, I hate the eating the dog food thing, but that's what we did. So we're all locked down on a private, uh, you know, fixed or static IP VPN. Everything that we use that can possibly be done is IP restricted with 2FA and we and SSO. So we have 2FA at every level, meaning you have to have 2FA to connect to the VPN and then you have to have 2FA to get into the service. And we simplify that a little bit with SSO to do that. But what, what we've basically done is proven out um, that it can work for us. So now that we are slowly moving that through the client base to do all of that from everything from controlling their DNS and domain, you know, through password management, through VPN, through Microsoft 365, through an EDR, which we're using Huntress, through AV, through 
hardware, networking, router, firewall, you know, all the way to the back end so that we can have a standard that flows with our size client that makes that uh, implementation what we like to say is reasonable and appropriate because obviously we could spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. But again, we have a four-person law office where that doesn't make sense. So we put in what's reasonable and appropriate for them to meet uh, the CSORs or NIST standards for sure. <clears throat> All right. Sounds like you are doing what I did. I'm still having people fight the remote access thing, but you know, the bottom line is VPN, multi-factor authentication. And if they don't want to go through the struggles of putting in, you know, VPN licenses and installing software on individuals' computers, then I, you know, true grid. And when they're like, well, well that's we've even more taken it a little further. Well, I mean, we, we have a no, we have a no open port policy in the, unless there has to be something. And if there's an open port, we do uh, outside uh, VLAN. We use a third party VPN yep. called good access so that we don't need that. So, you know, we're really focusing on trying to lock it down. You know, yeah, we have a couple of stragglers that, that, uh, a couple of stragglers that have, uh, I'm trying to think of the uh, DVR company that just Hick put Vision? out the release. You know, so we've talked to them and they don't think it's very important. So we're, you know, trying to sell them a smart switch now so we can uh, move everything over to a VLAN, at least get it isolated. But, you know. You know, those are the kind of fights you have to tell them about, just document, and then hope for the best until they want to do something. It, it's a fight to so, have, and I just I just won a camera contract by that where I said, look, I can't support the network if you're letting this company do this. And then yeah. they said, well, can you support our cameras? And I said, I can support cameras, not that crap. That, well, I didn't say crap to them. <laughs> not that junk that's so over there. I did get to put in a new camera system at the new floor, mm-hmm. and then I'm taking over the existing camera – until something happened to to it, and then I'll replace it. But yeah, closing down ports, closing yeah, down remote access, I mean, proving to them that look, I'm going to be secure getting in, into your stuff too. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, and it's the same thing. You know, we don't really have a camera vendor of choice right now or a partner. Um, we've been looking, but you know, back when I ran the Maven group, I used the Luma products in my cable provider, installed them, and then I would manage, but you know, I really like that because there was no need for an open port. Yep. It was all each, you know, Luma's nice. Network based That's what I'm based. using. So yeah. That's what yeah. I'm using. I love the app too. The app is fantastic. Yeah. It's solid. It's tough to beat. And you know, you get firmware updates once in a while, which makes it kind of feel good. Yep. So it's just a little bit more than, you know, what everybody else is using, but you get what you pay for. Exactly. Absolutely. All right. Um, anything else? So I just had a conversation with Domots, and they'll be on the show here shortly, and they're actually going to be announcing some new stuff there. But I like being able to use the Domots boxes and have the notifications when something comes on the network. I have a customer that they – they're like, we don't know what you're paying for that or what you're charging us for that, but we don't care. You know, the fact that you call us within five minutes and ask what's going on, they love it. So you guys do anything with that where you call customers when stuff pops up and they respond? Well, overseas is what we use, right. and it unfortunately does not have that magical feature. We did have that with Untangle. We do have some Untangle boxes that do notify on that. I'm kind of the overseas guy. I guess that would mean I oversee, oversee, but, um, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, that's, sorry, that's what, uh, that's kind of my job. So yes, I did it. Um, 
I'm the guy that puts those tickets in when I see something going on. So, you know, right now that's kind of a manual process that we're working on. We do not have a good solution for that. I wish we did. Yeah, that was a a, a really great feature that we had. And like you said, um, being notified when something gets stuck on the network is a big piece. So that is actively something we're looking into. Um, So are are you saying that you've moved away from Untangle? We have. Okay. Uh, We have moved away from Untangle uh, just because there are... And again, they may have changed some stuff. So maybe it makes sense to open another conversation. But we were trying to figure out a better way where trying to monitor the entire office. And we kept getting some misinformation from several sources up to where the CTO made um, kind of guided us on, hey, if you do this, you can bypass these IPs and the firewall will still pick it up. But the documentation doesn't present that. So we asked them a couple of times. Um, never heard back. So, you know, we kind of had to make our choices sooner rather than later, totally open to moving back to them. Um, but that's kind of, you know, we're kind of powering through the course, at least for the next remainder of the year, um, with what we got. Okay. And we'd like the arachnid switching, or at least I do. So, yeah. You know, I've, I've been looking at some other switches. I just can't find anything better than the arachnid. It's just so much. I agree. Yeah, just so much easier. Solid, easy interface. Yep. Yeah. Cost a lot more, but you know, we've been in it for so long. I got so many of them yep. out there. And it works with all my stuff. I mean, the Domots boxes, you can read yeah. into them and see them. My NetAlly tools, I can plug in and do my stuff. The VLANs are easy. Um, I, you know, I tried HP. I've been looking at the HP stuff and it's, you know, I'm, I'm an HP shop, but I, I can't use their switches. Well, that was another thing. Yeah, too. we looked at Cisco Small Business too. Or I'm sorry, Paco. Yeah, we looked at Cisco Small Business, just not as nice. I mean, better price point, but just not as convenient. You know, yeah. especially when we're an overseas shop and everything's in overseas for us too. So, yeah, and that's what we moved to, Marvin, is the Cisco Small Business stuff. Okay, um, nothing wrong with that. And then, um, as far as for like the shops, like you just mentioned, like you're an HP shop, you know, as you probably have been aware, we were a Lenovo shop for well over 10 years um, back in like 2011 when I unofficially started uh, before I actually started in 2013. Now we're a Dell shop. Um, and that's kind of what we've kind of gone in all in on, on either new Dells or refurb Dells, um, depending on, you know, either way that goes. All right. We're also entertaining. We have some customers requesting the Surface line as well, yeah, from uh, Microsoft. So, which is what I, my daily driver is now. Surface Pro. What are they at? Four Surface Pro Four, Surface Pro Eight, and Surface Laptop Four. Okay, Laptop Four. Yeah, and the Pro's up to eight, huh? The Pro's up to eight. Yeah, nice. and I love my I love my seven. My seven was great, but I had that my ThinkPad, and I got tired of carrying both of them or the other one for one or another. So I actually got rid of my ThinkStation, got rid of my Surface Pro, got rid of my ThinkPad and just all bunkered down on the uh, Surface Laptop 3 at the time. Okay. You know, it's weird. I don't use my laptop as as much anymore. I Unless I have to like whip out something and actually type a letter or do whatever, I, I just walk in with an iPad and my, my NetAlly stuff and that's what I do. It's uh, interesting. Yeah, I do love the uh, when I did have the Surface Pro. So I have a Surface Go, and it definitely comes in handy because I got that little uh, case that has the slot uh, for a handle. 
So in case I need to do some quick surveys or something, definitely. Well, that, good but that go. acts like a tablet or a laptop, right? Correct. Yeah. Yep. So that's that's what I would look at uh, changing to something like that. So yeah, it should be good. All right, and uh, let's go ahead and move on. I think we did answer that um, without getting too too far down the rabbit hole. So let us go ahead. Let's go ahead and do our. In the news story, space, the final frontier. These are the, well, you know where I'm going with that. So today, William Shatner became the oldest person to fly into space, and I guess he just needed to do it for real. So the 90-year-old actor and his crewmates took off aboard the white 60-foot-tall New Shepard spacecraft at Blue Origin site this afternoon. And uh, I think it was 9.50 a.m. local time, and they were in space for about 20 minutes. And I really don't have a lot to report on that. I just think it's funny that William Shatner just, for all those years of being known as Captain Kirk, finally as a real person got to go into space and I probably should have done this because I actually have video pictures of him and the crew uh, during their space trip today I have no idea what that reads um, but he did say what you, you have given give the guy credit go ahead 90 years old yep yep so he, he uh, his comments were what you have given me is the most profound experience I am so filled with emotion, just extraordinary. A, visibly, a visibly overcome Shatner told Bezos immediately after emerging from the capsule, I hope I never recover from this. I hope I can maintain what I feel now. So there you have it, folks. Our good space friend, Captain Kirk, finally got into space. Dubinsky, were you at the Naples Library today? No, but I watched the BB&T bank get robbed in a stereo. Does that count? No, it doesn't. But a man was arrested okay. today at a library in Naples for scaring children at a library while drunk. Officers with the Naples Police Department arrested 38-year-old Joshua Daniel Moss. The manager of the library told officers that Moss was causing a major disturbance and was staring at children that were in daycare. When officers arrived at the scene, Moss was howling at the computer, making loud noises, and they noticed a strong smell of alcohol on his breath. He was arrested for disorderly intoxication and taken to the Naples jail for further processing. He smells like grandpa. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, John, have you noticed that since you've moved down, I think half of the stories have been from southwest Florida? You have the uh, you have the tree growing in the middle of the road there. Yeah, I like that one a lot. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's pretty good with the gator in the trash can. I really like how he just nonchalantly walks over to the other side of the street and lets the gator out. Yeah. Uh, and the funny thing is, is he is in the news again. And I was going to use that story, but I said no, I can't use him twice in a row. So apparently, he now is, you know, being seen wrangling a big old python snake. Uh, out of his front yard as well. And I'm thinking, okay, dude, you need to move. Because 
there is no reason to be having to fight that much with animals down here. But uh, two coincidences aren't a coincidence. Now I'm starting to think. Well, especially since he posted this one on his Instagram feed, I think he may have uh, planted that story. So that's yeah. why I didn't use it. And uh, comment from the chat: John brought all the crazy stuff down south. Uh, might have, some might have followed me down, probably from Paco's neighborhood. Probably my old neighborhood. <laughs> all right. So let us do this. Normally, I would go right into another subject, but let's go ahead and continue on a little bit with what we were talking about earlier. But let me first ask, tell me, guys, how has life been since TechCon? Any major comments that you want to share? Any fantastic feedback? Any changes going on? What's what's the vibe after TechCon? It's been interesting. I think that it's been, um, you know, a lot of the same feedback we got from 2019. I think a lot of people were were grateful that we brought it back. Um, a lot of people felt that it was a great mix of vendors and peer panels. I think uh, peer panels kind of won the survey of, hey, we would like more peer panels a little bit longer um, you know, we still hear the same, you know, we would love breakout sessions. That is something we are considering, um, again for next year and just really all in all, everyone just had a really great time. I think everyone felt that they got taken care of. The vendors were very, um, helpful and, you know, we really appreciate their support, uh, on just getting us to do it, but they were really taking care of our guests. I, I haven't heard from anyone that, um, you know, that they felt like they were oversold or like a vendor just didn't sit right with them. Um, and that was kind of on purpose, right? We tried to curate a set of vendors that were going to benefit our size audience. Um, the quote unquote small guy is what other vendors would probably label them. And just understanding that there is a power in that depth versus the width of what they're trying to do. And just grateful for everyone kind of coming out. I think a lot of people had a lot of great times, great fun memories, and, you know, hoping to do it again next year. I'll extrapolate on that a little bit, too. You know, I want to take that vendor thing a little bit further than you even took it, Paco, where, you know, a lot of those vendors, you know, our size companies don't get a lot of love or a lot of attention. So, you know, even if you would be willing to take a little bit of time and give a little feedback to the vendors that were there, that would really help us just to let them know and uh, give them a little bit of love because I mean, a lot of them take a risk, took a risk on us and continue to take a risk on us. You know, since we don't, our, our, our audience doesn't bring all the volume that maybe an ASCII does or DattoCon does. So I really appreciate the vendors showing up and giving the, uh, the attention to us that they did. And then the two big surprises I found from the survey and all that is the biggest complaints that I read a couple of times, and correct me if I'm wrong, Paco, is one, lunch was too long, the two-hour mm-hmm. lunch. That was the complaint I saw a couple of times. And the other thing I found really interesting when we uh, said, where do we want to go next? It was 50-50 and whether to keep it in Chicago or go back to Grand Rapids. So I thought that was interesting as well. Yep. On the points from the survey, if I'll share that. All right. With one commentary of keeping it East Coast, Upper East Coast, which I have a feeling I know who it is. So. <laughs> All right. PTG, PTG. All right. 
So I do have a comment I want to make about a, a vendor, but let me ask you guys, did the conference meet your expectations as the presenters? I think for all things considered, I think that we were unsure what was going to happen in uh, September. I think that, you know, we were optimistic that it was going to happen. I think June 11th was our official reopening date in Illinois and in Chicago. Um, and then I think the next couple of months kind of got us a little bit worried on just reducing of size, kind of going back on some of the restrictions um, and just concern by uh, members. And I think that there were a lot of attendees that were really waiting until the last second to understand kind of what to do. Um, but for all in, all things considered, I think it went really well. I think the biggest concern was just, you know, were the attendees going to find value? Were the vendors going to find value um, with the numbers we were trying to aim to go to? Um, you know, we got to about 60% of what we were trying to get to. And I think that that just shows that those that were committed to support us and we appreciate them. And I think that just gives us some room to grow for next year optimistically to see things kind of go the other way and people feeling more comfortable to attend live events and things of that nature in person. Yeah, we actually had a little bit of, oh, I don't know, a calamity or whatever you want to say. You know, we lost a vendor at the end because they were scared to come down across the border and not be able to get home with some of that ramping up. And a, um, a couple of attendees had a little COVID scare right as the conference started and couldn't make it in their families. So, you know, I'm personally, I'm pretty happy with the numbers that we got. Yeah, we were about 60% of where we wanted to be, but, uh, you know, I, I think that's pretty good for, for what we were trying to do. I think it turned out pretty fantastic. I myself was a little worried. Um, my flight may have been canceled. And so I was worried about that. And of course the COVID restrictions and flying, you know, there's always a story every week of somebody going berserk on a plane. And I mean, I was kind of worried about that, but it all worked out and great. I want to say that the, the vendor sessions were good. I mean, I was quite surprised at specifically Synology. And just to let you guys know, I had been talking to Synology. I became a partner with them earlier this summer, doing a couple of projects with them. They were, you know, saying that this was their first MSP centric conference that they had attended. So I don't know if you guys, you know, really dragged and pulled them to it, but they were very happy they came. They looked forward to doing it again. And the comment that you make about, you know, depth versus width in terms of volume and stuff, I don't think Synology sees it that way because, I mean, I'm talking to them about a project that is going to be, you know, two of their higher end Synology products where we're talking the final configuration is going to be about 26 grand and they're they're astounded with that. And, you know, I'll be honest and say, I didn't think that they were that type of company that I would be dealing with a few years ago. I thought they were the, you know, the home, you know, prosumer type deal. Uh, the people that didn't want to deal with the, the name brands or their distributors. I didn't think I'd consider Synology, but now I might be using Synology for all my stuff. Datto, you did not hear me say that, but that's happening. 
No, I think, it, <laughs> you know, I think it was a perfect storm for Synology for us because, you know, shout out to Mike Wise over at Clockwork uh, Networks. He actually yeah, made yeah. The, the introduction for us because, okay. you know, he was all about Synology, putting it in place for private cloud for his clients. He says, man, it would be really cool to have them there. And, you know, and I was thinking, you know, we do need a name vendor that would be willing to support the the, the audience and our community. So, you know, matter of fact, it was actually when I was down in Florida um, where I spoke to the rep and then the main marketing guy over there said, hey, can I talk to you in like two hours? And it was like seven o'clock eastern on a friday night and we were just going back and forth where they said you know we're making no plans of any in-person events at all to them committing not only a speaking presentation but actually engaging with us as well um so they've been great throughout the whole thing you know they have their giveaway that's coming up that they need to announce for the, the giveaway at TechCon. Um, the, the goal for there was their flight was leaving early so they were going to pull it at uh headquarters and notify them via email. But I talked to them a little bit. I have another call with them tomorrow to say, you know what, let's call, let's announce it on the podcast when we have that scheduled. And then we're going to have another giveaway um, on the podcast later on for those that didn't get a chance to enter in person. They'll have a chance to get the same thing. So there's more to come to that. I saw that in the group that you know, what happened to this analogy NAS? What happened to that giveaway? So just uh, it's coming. Uh, we, we are in talks. We just want to make sure that you know, they do it fair and square and uh, that that's announced and gets shipped over to them. So definitely coming for sure. But, yeah, we're really thrilled that they were involved and they were excited. And we really hopefully uh, knocked it out of the park for them and having them back involved. All right. And yeah, I think that was Zarenko that wants to win that NAS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And, of course, you guys have already announced that you will be back next year. You just don't know the exact location, right? Exactly. Yeah, we're figuring it out right now. We uh we got a couple of new developments that are we're working through right now. Um, you know, as I mentioned, it was a tie between Grand Rapids and Chicago. I think we gave Chicago a chance because a lot of people said it was kind of hard to get a direct flight out to um Grand Rapids from where they were. Um I also think that, you know, it was a little bit harder on coordinating food orders and stuff on our part to help benefit the guests for like the last ticket buyers in that last week stretch, right. That wanted to kind of come last minute, which we all know there are attendees for that. So we're trying to figure out the balance for that. Um, we're even toying around with new cities as well. Um, you know, maybe a mid, another Midwest city like St. Louis, or maybe even getting down somewhere East coast, maybe Florida or somewhere else as well. So um, definitely a lot of things that we're taking into consideration, a couple of new things here happening that we're just trying to figure out what's the best way to do it. Um, but we will be making some decisions here shortly because we got to kind of get the vendors in line for to kind of commit to next year because this is around that time. All right. Any last thoughts about TechCon that you want to throw out there before we move along with our show tonight? Go to the website, sign up for updates because that's where we're going to reveal all the new up-to-date stuff is either going to be in our private Facebook group, which if you bought a ticket, you'll already have admission or uh, sign up for the updates. That's where you'll get the first update before we kind of post publicly. All right. TechCon Unplugged, folks. I'll have the link in the show notes. But most of you, if you're listening or watching, I'm sure you know that. Easy site to find, techconunplugged.com. All right. So we are going to – I've already done the commercial break. So let's go into a topic that I 
kind of had to do a little pre chat with John and Paco. I had a couple of phone calls in the last week that specifically asked about being a solo tech in the industry. I had one that was not just being a solo tech, but being a minority in the industry. And I did those podcasts last year when the George Floyd incident happened. And it was odd because a lot of people in our industry didn't want to talk about it. That's not tech related. Well, you know what? It is because we have a lot of diversity issues in tech and you know, our lives are entangled in everything. So I brought it up. So I had a couple of, you know, phone calls over the last year because of that. But I had two calls specifically in the last week that asked me about being a solo tech and, you know, persevering, asking me, man, if you have bad days, what do you do to get through them? And one of those people actually asked me uh, about the situation that you two were involved in a few years ago where there was a possibility that that you may not be here. So I said, well, if I am given the opportunity to ask, I will, because I never really asked the specifics. Um, I know that Paco, you and I had a show that we did after that where I'm like, look, you know, whatever support you need, man, we're here. And I have been in your shoes, um, not exactly incident wise, but there have been days where, you know, the thought to leave has, has come up and the thought of firing my biggest client was just a few years ago for me. And when that client is a huge part of your income and you're not sure where you're going to make it up and you might have to close the doors, those are those are things that are hard to think about. So I wanted to spend a few minutes. We don't nearly we don't talk about being a solo tech nearly enough in this industry. And you know, we get called a lot of names and it's all focused on being an MSP and growing the business, but there is a lot of businesses in this country that don't need a 20 person, a 100 person MSP. They need people like us to be out there and supporting them. And for all practical purposes, as far as I can, as far as I'm concerned, a lot of us give just as good of support as, as a larger MSPs, but that's a different discussion. So let's go back to the phone calls that I had where they asked me, you know, what do you do to persevere? And I would love for you guys to share the story uh, from both perspectives of what was it that was actually said to bring you back from the edge of the cliff? Sure. Um, so I have to kind of go back a little bit because, you know, as you know, Marvin, this was when I went full time. Probably, I think that was my second into my second year of um, being a full time business owner. Um, so for those that don't know or are listening for the first time, I started Prodigy Techs officially in 2013 as a part-time business owner. Um, so I was doing my full-time job as a database manager. Um, that was from 2013 to the end of 2016. And the first month of 2017, after kind of talking to some people, you know, hey, enjoy that last month when they eliminated the department 
and, you know, focus on yourself and the business in 2017. Now, 2017 was actually really good the first six months because I had the severance that they gave us. I had unemployment. I had uh, working on the side for a residential computer repair place uh, called Geeks on Site. Really grateful for them helping me with some uh, education and, and things like that and structure and how to run an actual business and dispatching text. So it was good up until August. And that's when the money ran out. Um, and then that was, you know, fight or flight. And so, you know, little by little started going through things, um, you know, and right as we went to the end of 2017, uh, got a knock on the door and there was a sheriff there with a warrant that basically said, Hey, you're overdue on a loan that you took out. They're suing you in court. Here's your subpoena, right? And not a warrant, a subpoena. Um, and so basically, you know, that was like, oh crap. You know, stuff has hit the fan. Um, you know, I'm in debt, you know, 10 grand, I think was the loan at the time. I'm barely scraping by, you know, I'm living with my brother at the time. I just started dating my fiance at the time, you know, and she was there when the knock happened. So, you know, I think that as an embarrassing situation as it all, but I think, you know, one piece too, and Marvin, you kind of brought this up is, you know, as a minority, you know, that is in our cultures individually, we're act, we're act, we're asked to do a lot for ourselves, depending on how we're brought up. And in the Latino culture, it's really focused on, you know, entrepreneurship is a hobby, you know, unless you come from a family of that, you know, why don't you get a job? Why don't you go ahead and figure it out? Yep. So, you know, borrowing money from my sister and kind of figuring it all out from there, you know, then we go into 2018, still trying to figure it out. Got my first retainer client to buy a set of hours. That was my way of kind of getting into the business from there, struggling, going through uh, more and more. And then we get to September 2018, which is the incident that you um, are referring to. So this was my first monthly recurring client. Um, coincidentally enough, uh, they expanded to their second location. I was actually just there today. Um, and they were doing construction in the location. So, you know, I'm in the MDF room, you know, I show up, they were supposed to have had run the cables and terminated the ends. And so the business owner says, oh, you're going to hook up the internet. I said, yeah, absolutely. You know, so I show up with the arachnus gear, you know, the, uh, circuit's been put in place. I'm about to connect the uh, Comcast modem. And then I see all the ends haven't been terminated. So what I thought was going to be probably an hour, hour and a half job ended up becoming six hours because of all of the ends I had to terminate, had to test, um, figure out which ends went where, um, you know, had to terminate them, get my fluke um, or my. Uh, yeah, it was a fluke at the time for my uh, Sprinter uh, 300 um, and just go through it all. So at this point, having eaten lunch, I'm trying to get through it, rushing through. And they're still constructing the space. So while I'm in the MDF closet, um, so I grab one of the cable wires that are kind of pulling out was the last access point I needed to terminate and get into the POE. And behind me, they had the, because it was the buckets and the tools and stuff. So they had like a bunch of chisels and a a work belt that was there. And then they had the hole saws where you drill the holes for the doorknobs and the locks and stuff. And these idiots stacked them up like a hibachi grill like a pyramid through. So somehow, I don't know if I slipped on something or I tripped on something and I started to go back and all I saw were the chisels. 
And I was like, well, I'm not going to get impaled. So I reached down. And as I reached down, I had slashed my wrist with one of the saw with the whole saws. Now, I wasn't I wasn't bleeding enough to be worried, but it was enough. Um, but that wasn't what startled me. And that wasn't what shaking me. I got it through. I was kind of communicating to the business owner. But then I got a call from my daughter's mother. And that was her first week that she started school. And that was the and basically she's like, hey, are you at the school? It's two thirty. Well, yeah, she's getting out. Where are you? And I'm an hour away. So it wasn't the injury that impacted me on me saying that I was done. It was the fact that that was the first time that I had genuinely forgot to forgot about my daughter, A, but B, to pick her up. Um, and it wasn't a I was rushing against time and I forgot the time. It was I genuinely forgot about her, which has never happened in my life. So that's what stuck with me. I'm saying, thinking, yeah, this is not for me. Like, why did I, you know, what am I doing? This is what's going on. I'm already a year and a half. I told myself I would give this two years, you know, I'm on month, what, 21, um, and trying to figure out what I was going to do. So got in the car, raced over. My first call was John. And, you know, for everyone who has listened to me in the past and he continues to say I give him too much credit, but John has been very instrumental in our growth at Prodigy Techs um, and specifically for me as a mentor. Um, and it took me a while to understand that he was a mentor um, and a close friend. And, you know, he was obviously the first one that I thought of to call. And at the time, I kind of just said, you know, and I think we had some rumblings in the in the probably the month prior because um, this was Labor Day weekend. Um, so, you know, talking about how we're going to make things work and all this other stuff. And, um, you know, and that first thing I said, I was like, yep, I'm done. Totally done. Not This is it. Kind of explained to him the situation. I was like, it, this is it. You know, never been more done than what it is. Like, you couldn't tell me nothing. I was like, going to figure it out, kind of go from there. Um and yeah, that was kind of how the conversation went. And then, um, you know, John and John can kind of give his view or his point of view of what he told me, but he just kind of really told me like, look, take, relax, you know, it's the Labor Day weekend, shut everything off. Don't even worry about any of that. Once you come to Labor Day and you're coming into Tuesday, then figure out and make your decision on what you want to do. So I did exactly that. I shut everything down. I First time I turned off my emails that didn't give a damn about who, what client was going to have an issue. Um, and Tuesday came around and I kind of got to the point where I said, OK, I told myself I'd give myself two years. I only have another three months. Let me stick it out for the three months. Once we come into 2019, if I haven't figured it out, I'll start looking for a job. Two weeks later, I made three changes that in my business, which was shift my annual billing to monthly um, delegate the work that I don't like, like cabling then that happened at that time <laughs> and outsourcing. Um, and I forgot what the third part was. And I always forget this because everyone always asks me and I know it's three, <laughs> but basically it was, uh, I made those three changes and my business took off and I've been successful ever since. Okay. Let me now get over to John before you go into another point. Cause I want to make sure we get John's perspective on now, this was about the time. What year did you say? 20? This was the end of 2018. 2018. This was, all this right. Labor, Labor Day weekend of 2018. So we had all been in the community a while podcasting. Uh, we had gone to the first um, unconvention. 
I think we actually finished the second, the second one. Yeah. We finished yeah, the second one. Yep. So, yeah, you know, right. I, I knew you guys, you know, you guys were buddies, part of the three musketeer crew and stuff like that. But, but John, you get that phone call and what went through your mind? Well, you know, in the back of my head, I'm kind of, you know, I'm feeling for Paco on a personal level, but I'm also chuckling a little bit to myself and not at him, but with him that, man, I've been here before, you know, I've been doing this long enough to know that, you know, I'm racing to something of my daughter, that daughters that I'm going to now be late for again, you know, just, just as one of the things, you know, that uh, is, you know, is sort of, um, uh, a reality of being a solopreneur sometimes until you get things figured out and standardized and working the way that you want them to be. You know, my message to Paco, you know, uh, in the back of my mind was, you know, don't quit, you know, uh, don't quit. You said 24 months. I know Paco, I, you know, I know the way he is, you know, don't quit. So, you know, that's when I say, and we still talk about this a little bit sometimes with clients and all that. And, you know, I said, whoa, let's pump the brakes a little bit, you know, maybe, you know, call the owner. Let's just talk to the owner, you, you know, tell the owner how it is in a business conversation. And usually things come around and work your way. But, you know, the most, most important thing here or, or the lesson I think is to be derived is, you know, uh, I get a lot of questions a lot of time or I hear them in the chat. You just, well, how can I be motivated to run my business? And, you know, that's to me, that's one of the most foolish statements I've heard because it's like, how can I be motivated to lose weight or how can I be motivated to work out or, you know, it's discipline that makes you good at running a business. Um, and that's what Paco found. I don't know if falling down in the room and getting cut and uh, forgetting to pick up his daughter, I don't want to call it a wake up call or if it just connected some cogs in the wheel where he said, you know, or, you know, something just clicked with him in his mind subconsciously. Or, and, and I'm not saying he wasn't disciplined before, but, it, you know, it's discipline that gets you up in the morning when you don't want to, but you still go through the motions and get it done. You know, so, you know, I think Paco now is a business owner uh, is and I, this is always a growth thing. I don't think he ever finished, but, you know, is it becoming more and more disciplined, you know, from 2018 to now, I think Paco would look in the mirror and say, oh my God, <laughs> what the hell was I would do? And, you know, I would say the same thing about myself in 1995 when I didn't even own a computer and I started my business with my Samsung fax machine, um, you know, in my one bedroom apartment, you know, you know, you come a long way and you get the discipline to run your business. So I, I just think that's where it started for him, where he started making decisions or bets and doing those plan that uh, betting or that planning based on discipline, which it really changed his business. Right now. Did you, and if ever I could be a small part of that, you know, that, that I, I still say he gives me too much credit. You know, I was just somebody that maybe uh, quieted the fire a little bit and said, Hey, just think about it. Yeah. But had there been maybe a similar situation that you shared or have you shared publicly that, you know, you went through your own period of time and said, Ooh, this, this might not be it for me. Absolutely. You know, as a solopreneur, I, I'd say there's uh, even up until towards the end, you know, my favorite story to tell maybe my, one of my last wiring jobs is like, I don't wire. Paco learned this lesson at wiring, which I'm, I'm actually in Maryville, Indiana, about three hours away from my, <laughs> my home base. I drive down there and they just need one wire run. 
So I, I don't even have a long, long enough length. So I think I went to Office Depot and I bought like the longest cable they had, like 200 with the ends, 200 feet with the ends already on it. And all, basically all I got to do is pull out two ceiling tiles, run it up from the MDF, run it over so it goes to a time clock until I can get my wearing people down there to do it right. So I said I would do it. So I pull out the ceiling tiles. I'm up on the ladder throw up the cable up over the thing and it's it's sort of by a, one of those fluorescent lights. So I reach over the fluorescent light to grab the cable and the next thing I know is I'm waking up in the corner falling off the ladder with a little little bit of PP in my pants and covered in sweat because I've been electrocuted. So yeah, I mean there's been several times when you know you step in it and all that kind of stuff and I'm thinking to myself why am I doing this? I'm 3 hours from home. You know, I could have a job where it doesn't require me to, you know, and it's like 9 p.m. at night and I still got to drive home. So, yeah, there's always those questionable things where you try to go out of the way for your client where maybe that was not the judgment. I should have just said, wait a week or two before you get home. Or, you know, that's the funny story. But there's always those other things where, like, you're the solopreneur and the server's down at a client and they have seven remote locations that rely on this server and, you're the only one that can provide the answers. So that's when, you know, everything's exposed. All your failures are exposed, either your technical expertise or your lack of planning for the client, you know, and that can go two ways. Some, sometimes those are huge wins when, you know, you just do your bare metal restore or your recovery from a couple hours ago and life is good and the server's up and running, or you have a backup server so you can have them up and running because you have good planning, not piss poor planning. So those are huge wins or sometimes, you know, you sweat them out and you learn from those lessons and you wonder why you're doing this as a solopreneur. But in the end, you know, having had, um, employees and then having worked most of my career as a solopreneur i really enjoyed working as a solopreneur and I, and if i were ever to do it again that's the way that i would do it i'm not saying that's the right way to do it but that's the way i like to do it and probably i was a little bit blessed to have really good vendor partners to help me with some of the stuff that i did cabling voip that sort of thing but uh yeah lessons learned along the way for sure yeah and so, Paco, it's been, has it been three full years now? It has been three full years, right. this past uh, Labor Day. And looking back now, I, I'm sure you've, you know, recounted the story a few times to people individually. Um, but if people, you know, when they came to you and said, hey, what got you through it? Besides, you know, Big Brother John, what do you tell them? That's a good question. Um, you know, I think... If I were to quantify it and and or try to put it in words, I think it was it's that type of person that you are um, that really makes or breaks a type of situation. Whereas, like, you know, I don't look at bad days as bad days. I look at bad days as character building days. Like, that's how I view them. Like, how did I learn? How did I go through that? And I think ever since I was probably in high school, um, I've always known that there was always something more that I could do. And unfortunately it's also a curse where I don't have a, have a unquenchable thirst to get things done or move on to the next thing. I always want to get better. I'm obsessed with knowledge. You know, I'm obsessed with improvement. Um, It's never an end for me. So I think it's always been something where, you know, 
quitting has always never been an option. And when presented on really doing it, I think it was just more of where John had mentioned the discipline on sticking it out to my word. Um, and that's something that is very valuable to me. If there's anything for anyone who has ever met me throughout my years, um, you know, whether they like me, like for me, it, it's either you can't, you like me, you don't like me, you know, um, and you can respect the fact that if I ever say that you have my word, that is the one thing I will never break. And that is something that I hold true from these past however many years I've been saying that phrase. Um, and that's something that I hold. So I think it's the fact that I gave that word to myself and that's kind of what I held through and didn't want to break it. I think there's a lot to be said for not quitting. Um, something that I learned playing sports growing up. Um, and with, uh, other areas in life in terms of, you know, studying for tests and learning, like you said, you know, having the desire to learn just because you got something wrong doesn't mean it's over. And that's what I looked at for my situations. Now, we don't have time to go into my stuff, um, but at some point I probably need to share some of my stuff. But I had some similar situations to you where I had some money issues with the IRS. Never fun. Uh, I've missed at least two airplane flights to family events. And that's something that the wife doesn't forget. <laughs> when you're supposed to be well you bring up some good points there too you know a good partner that's understanding that you're a solopreneur you know that backs you up that yep. understands that when you'll say you'll be home in an hour and it's five hours later that you're just watching the percentage screen go up that you're not actually drinking beers with your buddies that you'd rather be home yeah you know that's one thing you know and the other thing is you know sometimes guys say well i had a bad day you know and i'm thinking sometimes I don't want to be unsympathetic to that, but I was like, you know, well, are we talking about first world middle income bad day? Like you drove to a customer and you left a switch. So you had to in your office, so you had to drive back and then you drove back to switch and it was actually didn't work. It was DOA. And so that's it. Yeah, that's a bad day. But, you know, you had food, water, you came home, you crawled into bed into your comfy bed. You know, you don't have right. cancer, God forbid, you know. So, I mean, if you just take one breath and say, hey, you know, my bad day, if I actually quantify that to a bad day that could, I could be having, you know, you know, th those are the kind of things that, you know, we wrap our head around. And the other thing is, you know, at the end of the month, if you're doing all this and you're making some money and you're where you want to be, I, I think that makes it all worthwhile. Yep. All right. I have a thought that I saved that in the, in the culture that we are in right now. And with the idiotic, stupid things John Gruden has done, I can't say what I want to say. But, um, yeah, sometimes a bad day is not really a bad day. So, all right, guys. Well, I want to say, first of all, thank you for being willing to share those stories, being open and honest. Uh, it's a tough thing for us to do sometimes. We always want to present ourselves as you know, successful, we got to, you know, our act together, but you know, we're human just like everybody else and things happen to us just like they happen to others. And, you know, it's not always what happens to you. It's what you choose to do afterwards that uh, determines your character and your results going forward. So, and uh, you're getting, <laughs> getting some good comments in the chats. And of course, the phrase that I said was not that, John. You cannot fix stupid. 
That's not my phrase. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I didn't say that. Elmer, oh, no, John Reed said that. That, that was my sound. <laughs> I, I probably have said that. <laughs> you can't fix stupid, which is actually a Ron White statement. For mm. uh, those of you that know the comedian Ron White, part of the um, – God, what was that comedy show? Not the Kings of Comedy because that was the black version. Oh, I know what you're Blue-collar blue color comedy though, so- tour. I got to admit, though, sometimes I've gotten on, up on the wrong side of the bed and been covered with stupid, you know, even to this day. I mean, sometimes you get out, you can't get anything right, let alone crimping a wire or doing what we do every day. So, you know, every day has everybody has those kind of days. Yeah, so. we do. We sure do. Yep. All right. Well, guys, uh, we have come to the top of hour. Are we staying past for the post show to continue talking about this? Sure. If you got to go, I understand. But, um, folks, if you are watching our live video, we will be staying afterwards. So th- stay through the video and we will continue on. If you are listening by audio, head over to YouTube pretty quick if you want to catch it because the after show will not be a part of the podcast when it gets uh, edited out. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Podnuts Pro. I want to say thank you to John and Paco for coming on. We were able to talk a little bit about TechCon and the joy that we had there. We did not talking about we did not talk about fancy like videos, but uh, man, if I had the rights to play that music, we would have played that to open the show. Hmm. Um, and then, of course, as uh, being a solo tech, and I'm sure that John and Paco. Guys, you know, when you guys are are out and about and people ask you, I I hope that you'll continue to encourage people to keep keeping on. This is a good industry. We are in a good time. There is money to be made. And, you know, what else can you say? That is going to do it. And let me say that next week I have a very different show. I have some friends of mine that are going to assist in helping me, if I were to hire somebody to run my business, they are going to walk me through what it would be like to do an executive recruiting hire. So people from Renee Vincent are going to be on, and we're going to walk through a predictive – oh, who's got their audio going? Somebody got audio on? Not me. <laughs> That's going to be fun to edit out especially since I don't edit. So we'll keep moving on. (laughs) All right. So that'll be next week. Uh, Again, here, same time, Wednesday, 8 p.m. The week after, there will be no show because I will be in Orlando at the ASCII Success Summit, uh, October 27th and 28th, which is also the same week that Acronis will be having their Cybersecurity Fit Conference, which is the 25th through the 27th. I have to say, Acronis, I was I was going to give you a nice high five because I was asked to uh, be on a panel at the conference, and then an hour later, I was unasked to be on that panel. So, if you are going to be at that event uh, in Miami, it is at the Blue, uh, the Fountain Blue in Miami. Let me know, and uh, we'll see about meeting up when you are down here in Florida. As I always say, if you're in Florida, let me know. Um, it's not always convenient to visit. Florida is a big state, but, um, as John will tell you, he and I are, what are we an hour and 15 minutes apart? 
Yeah, about 125 miles. 125 yep. miles. Right across Alligator Alley. <laughs> so thank you guys for hanging out and listening to the show. Be sure to download, subscribe, like, follow, whatever the term is now in your favorite podcatcher. And that is it. Let me find my outro video and we will say good night. So long. Farewell. And until next time, holla.